hear now the story of Jesus' resurrection as recorded in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 16, beginning with verse 1. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, Who will roll away the stone from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him? But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Many of you have probably heard of doomsday preppers, people who prepare to survive the end of civilization as we know it due to some catastrophic event like total economic collapse or a nuclear disaster. But have you heard of doom scrollers? <laughs> According to a website called Healthline, Doom scrolling is the act of endlessly scrolling through news feeds on social media or other digital apps and just drinking in all the bad things that are happening around the world. Take, for example, a 26-year-old speech therapist who confesses that she checks the news online around 10 times a day. While she has always gotten the news online, she admits that her habit has increased significantly since the beginning of the COVID pandemic. And this is not only true for her, but for many people who are isolated at home, some with a lot of extra time on their hands. Put all this isolation and time together with the fact that we have unlimited access to the news across multiple platforms including push notifications that pop up on our phones 24-7, and it's no surprise that many people get sucked into doom scrolling, especially since so much bad news is being reported these days. One problem with doom scrolling is that it can lead to higher levels of stress. We sometimes think that keeping up with the latest news will lessen our anxiety, but it actually increases it and can even take on the dynamics of addiction. So instead of making us feel safer, it elevates our fear, anxiety, and stress. Maybe you know someone who struggles with this habit. 
Maybe you have experienced it to some degree in your own life. I know it's really tempting to check your phone one more time right before going to bed. Or when we are bored or stressed out, we can feel the pull of Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook as a way of distracting and consoling. We see the notifications pop up on our screens and we just have to check them so that we don't miss anything important. Unfortunately, our fear of missing out or our desire to stay informed can cause us to get sucked into doom scrolling, which can erode our mental health. But it's important to remember that we are not the first generation to experience this kind of stuff. Even though they didn't have smartphones or social media, the three women who visited the tomb on Easter morning knew what it was like to be overcome with doom and gloom as they tried to process the death of Jesus, which in reality was the death of their hopes and dreams that he was the promised Messiah who would save Israel. Our reading in the Gospel of Mark this morning says that when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome brought spices so that they might go and anoint Jesus' body. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. Again, we can imagine what they were feeling, doom and gloom, and for a couple of different reasons. First, they were very close to Jesus and loved him deeply. So when he died, they felt the sting of grief. Second, as I mentioned a moment ago, they came to believe that Jesus was the promised Jewish Messiah, the one who would save Israel from the Roman Empire by expelling this pagan occupying force, assuming his rightful place as God's chosen king, and restoring the nation to covenant relationship with God. You know, there had been other powerful prophets that the people thought were the Messiah. But when these men died without ushering in God's kingdom, the people had to admit that they were mistaken. But Jesus? Jesus has got to be different. They had seen no one like him before. And while they may have been mistaken in the past, there was just no way they were mistaken now. These women were so confident that Jesus was the promised Messiah that they dedicated their entire lives to him. And now they were on their way to prepare his dead body for burial. I just can't imagine the despair they must have felt as they wrestled with the thought, we were mistaken again. The only thing they could see on the horizon as they made their way to the tomb was doom and gloom. They were also feeling anxiety 
about how they were going to get to Jesus' body. You see, he had been laid in a cave-like tomb, which was sealed by a large and heavy stone rolled against the entryway. As they were walking along, they said to each other, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? You know, it took more than one soldier to put that stone there. And so it makes sense that they were anxious about how they were going to get past this stone to do what they needed to do. But then something incredible happens. When they arrived at the tomb, they saw that large stone had already been rolled back. And in this moment, something shifted. In this moment, their doom and gloom were interrupted by an empty tomb. But the empty tomb didn't immediately give way to joy or even hope. While it interrupted their doom and gloom, it probably also gave way to shock, confusion, and maybe even more anxiety. We can imagine them saying to each other, what in the world is going on here? As they cautiously entered the tomb, they were startled to see a young man dressed in a white robe. The man said to them, Do not be alarmed. Do not be startled. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has been raised. In this moment, the, woman, uh, the women probably remembered when Jesus had told them that he would die and be raised to new life by God. And this must have been a game changer. As they were walking to the tomb, they were overwhelmed with doom, gloom, and anxiety. And as they approached the open doorway to the cave, these feelings were mixed with confusion. And when they were startled by the young man inside the cave, they experienced fear. But when they heard the words of this man, he is risen and remembered what Jesus had promised. Their doom, gloom, anxiety, confusion, and fear were interrupted by hope. Then the young man dressed in white ordered them to go tell the disciples that the risen Jesus was going ahead of them to Galilee and to meet him there. So the hope that came with the words, he is risen, led to a command, go, that shifted their focus from a sad past to a new and bright future. What God had done for Jesus in raising him from the dead created new possibilities for the followers of Jesus that prior to this moment simply did not exist. God was doing something radically new. Friends, there are a few things that we can learn from this story. First, fear is a powerful emotion that doesn't magically go away. It is something that must be processed and let go of over time. Think about the women on the way to the tomb. After encountering the young man in a white robe, the Bible says that they fled the tomb with mixed emotions, including not only hope and amazement, but also sheer terror, 
which proved to be somewhat paralyzing. The gospel says that, despite the command of the young man dressed in white, when they left the tomb, they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Now, it may be tempting to judge them for not immediately doing what the man instructed them to do, until we realize that we are much like these women. Fear is a powerful emotion, and when it grips the human heart, it is not easy to shake off. In fact, once we identify fear as a problem, we have to try to understand where it's coming from and how to let it go so that we can be free to follow our hearts. While the women may not have immediately done what the man commanded them, we know that later they did because the disciples got the message <laughs> that Jesus was risen and went to meet him in Galilee. In a similar way, as we discern what God wants from us, we might struggle with uncertainty and fear. It may take time to work through this, but the important thing to remember is that God can help us conquer our fear and help us to do what he is calling us to do. But there is work that has to be done, and it takes time. Second, as I already mentioned, it is easy for human beings to get stuck in a vicious cycle of negativity and anxiety. Just like the women in our story who worried about the large stone that would prevent them from entering the tomb, we also experience large obstacles that get in our way and prevent us from moving forward in life. And when we are confronted with these various roadblocks, they can seem too big to surmount, causing us anxiety, fear, and even despair. But part of the good news of Easter is that God is in the business of stone rolling. <laughs> we all face huge obstacles. No one is exempt. For some, it's a trauma, an addiction, or a deep emotional wound keeping them stuck. And for others, it may be a falling out in the family, the loss of a job, a nasty divorce, or a tragic death. Whatever it is, and only you know, we can avoid despair and get unstuck by remembering that God is at work in our lives. Even when we can't see it, even when we can't feel it, we know that God is working in mysterious ways through innumerable people, places, things, and experiences to eliminate obstacles and move us forward. And the power that God uses to do this is the same power, the power of the Holy Spirit, that raised Jesus from the dead. A power so great that it's already proven victorious over sin, evil, and even death. And this means that no matter how bleak your situation may seem, there is still reason for hope if you will receive and cooperate with this resurrection power. It might not be quick or easy. In fact, experience tells us that it will not be quick and easy. But if we will keep following Jesus, 
putting one foot in front of the other, receiving His grace and His power one day at a time, then God will lead us to solutions that will help us get unstuck. It also helps to remember that our fears are almost always worse than reality. I don't know about you, but I am sometimes tempted to horribleize things. <laughs> like all human beings, I sometimes experience fear about the future. And when fear grips my heart, I'm tempted to nurture it by focusing on worst-case scenarios. Have you ever done this? I remember a time many years ago when I was attending Vanderbilt University and working as a teaching assistant with my mentor, Dr. Meeks. One morning, I needed to see him and went to his office, but he wasn't there, so I simply waited outside his door. When he arrived that morning and we started talking, he seemed a little cranky and short. This created fear inside of me. And when I left his office, the first thing I thought was, what did I do wrong? Why is he mad at me? <laughs> there was another time, even earlier than this, when I was applying to graduate schools. The first letter I received was from my first choice, Yale University, and it was a rejection letter. <laughs> this was very disappointing, leading me to get down on myself as I thought, Oh gosh, this is only the beginning. I'm going to be rejected at every school where I applied. <laughs> a great man once told me that our imagination abhors a void. And when faced with one, when faced with uncertainty, we are quick to fill it with worst case scenarios. Maybe the women on the way to the tomb struggled with this too. But it helps to remember that our fear is almost always worse than reality. Tyler Tervuren, who works at the intersection of psychology and leadership development, says the following, Our brains are crazy. Every day they lie to us about how terrible things are or how bad they're going to be. But when we finally ignore the fear, we realize everything's pretty much okay. The world will keep turning and we're going to survive. Now this is not to say that we don't experience hard things. We do. But it suggests that we sometimes make things worse by over-exaggerating the challenge. Furthermore, as Christians, we know that we are not alone and that the world will keep turning because God is still working. <laughs> Looking back at the women in our story, they were so afraid of the stone in front of the tomb that they never dreamed God would roll it away. Their brains were telling them that the situation was hopeless and that bad things were just going to get worse. But then, God acted. God rolled the stone away and replaced their doom and gloom with hope. And God can do the same for us if we are intentional about not horribleizing things. Again, we all meet challenges and pain in life, 
Maybe you are anxious about something at school or work or home. Maybe you are dealing with loneliness, a moral failure, or a health issue. Whatever it is, remember that your brain can lie to you, telling you that things are worse than they really are. And if you are going to avoid getting stuck in fear, you will need to counteract the tendency to horribleize by remembering that God is at work in and around you. The final lesson this morning is that while we may be tempted to live in the past, Jesus invites us to look toward the future. In our story this morning, the young man in the tomb tells the women that Jesus has gone ahead of them to Galilee and commands them to go to go and tell the disciples and go meet Jesus where he is waiting for them. And what was true for the women is also true for us today. Sometimes we focus so much on the fact that Jesus is with us, helping us in the present, that we forget he is also ahead of us, calling us into a new future. So part of our job is to figure out where the risen Christ is leading us and to follow him there. Things like doom and, uh, doom and gloom scrolling trap us in a vicious cycle of negativity that fuels our anxiety. One doctor explains that our minds are wired to look out for threats. So the more time we spend looking for them, the more time we spend scrolling, the more we find those dangers, the more we get sucked into them the more anxious we get. But what if we replaced a vicious cycle with a virtuous cycle? What if we stopped focusing on threats and looked for possibilities? This is what Jesus was doing by moving ahead of his disciples to Galilee and what he does for us as he goes ahead and calls us forward. As Jesus calls us into a new future, we can respond by moving toward new possibilities for deeper connections with family members and friends. New possibilities for making the world a better place and new possibilities for justice in our community and nation. The good news this morning is that we don't have to focus on doom and gloom and get stuck in negativity because God is at work in us and around us, rolling stones out of our path and calling us to a new kind of life, resurrection life, abundant life. My prayer is that we will all receive these gifts this morning and take one more step toward Jesus. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, we are so grateful for the salvation that you bring to us in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And this morning, we celebrate your resurrection power, which reminds us that love is stronger than hate and life is stronger than death. Lord, if there is anyone listening to this message that is facing a major obstacle in their life, something that is keeping them from drawing close to you, and moving into the future that you are preparing for them, I pray that you will help them to get past that obstacle. 
that you will work through people, places, things, and experiences to empower them to recognize where the obstacle is coming from and that you will help them move it out of the way so that they can continue to faithfully follow Jesus. I also pray, Lord, in addition to removing those obstacles, that you will give all of us a new vision for the future, both personally and as a church, that you will help us to discern where you are leading us. We know that you are already ahead and calling us forward, but Lord, we need to get a clear vision of where you are and we need to find our next practical steps to move in that direction. And that's what I pray this morning. We ask that as we conclude this service that you will continue to draw near to us and to speak to our hearts and minds. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.